Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. We are MODIS, and we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, a new enclave and our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. The Colonel has made great strides restoring this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Greetings, members. As always, I am The Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. In part two of our story, the Colonel and Eugenie continue their travels north to deliver the new vaccine across the region. After quite the reception at the Wayward, our pair head to Morgantown, experiencing some speed bumps along the way, while reconnecting with old friends and making new ones as well. And at the crater, Valeria discovers that there might just be something more than just her mission to rebuild Appalachia. The next morning, after getting washed up and ready to go, the two drop one more crate of Nuka-Cola inoculation with Duchess, saying goodbye to Mort, Solomon, and Polly, and were on their way north with the Brahmin. Blair received her standard report from MODIS as they left the Wayward. Both field and satellite intelligence had confirmed that Lilith's campaign against the Blood Eagles had started. A series of large explosions had ripped through the Rowling's work camp the day before, which had been a major Blood Eagle encampment in the ash heap. Solomon was due to report shortly, so they'd have a better idea of exactly what had happened, but Valeria knew it was merely the beginning of what was going to be a bloody, but necessary conflict. At least this time, the blood was likely to be flowing in the right direction. She also radioed ahead to Morgantown to expect them before nightfall. The road to the north was now well-traveled and relatively safe, still being the forest region, but also within the expanded reach of the Morgantown settlement. It was one of her proudest achievements to have built the relationship, and it continued to pay dividends with new recruits and access to salvage across the region. Moving down the road, they passed the old Slocum Joes, now inhabited by a small group of settlers. Further on, they could see the ruins of the old Arctos Farmer building on top of the hill. Valeria's teams had been through the complex a few times for scrap, but they found little of interest. That never really sat well with her, though, and she promised herself that they'd take a more thorough search of the facility in the future. As they rounded the bend on Route 64, just south of Morgantown, they ran into a group of teenage boys manning a makeshift barricade across the road. If they all hadn't been armed with a variety of pipe and hunting rifles, it almost would have been comical. Hold it right there. Eugenie and Valeria exchanged quizzical looks with each other. Give us all your cargo and no one gets hurt. To punctuate the point, the boy fired his rifle into the air, almost falling over due to the recoil. Valeria scanned the area and calculated the odds. She had no doubt that she and Eugenie would be able to take the boys but it would involve injuring and probably killing most of them. As she considered her options, she spotted something down the road past the barricade that both gave her pause and also brought a smile to her face. I'm afraid the answer is no. That obviously was not the answer the boys expected, as they exchanged their own looks of surprise. Hey lady, don't make us hurt you. Just give us the goods and you can leave. The answer is still no. I know they're kids and all. Those guns will still kill us dead. Don't worry. 
Things are about to become a lot more interesting. Okay, I'll give it to the count of five. If you don't surrender, we'll shoot. One, two, three, four. The audio enhanced voice boomed across the barricade, causing several of the boys to drop their guns and cover their ears. The leader turned around and came face to face with a seven foot tall monster of metal. Running on both instinct and adrenaline, he pulled the trigger, only for the bullet to bounce off the torso of his target. The mechanical beast roared again, scattering the game of boys in all directions as they threw away their weapons and ran south at full speed. The leader fell all over himself, peeing his pants before joining the stampede of his friends. Eugenie was stunned, but when she recovered and realized what she'd seen, she broke out in uproarious laughter. She nearly fell over laughing so hard. Valeria checked to make sure all the boys were gone before approaching the barricade and its lone occupant. Well, well, well. I'm very happy to see you, Sergeant. A mechanical whine was followed by the suit opening up, and one Sergeant Major Muller stepping down onto the road and delivering a parade-ready salute. Always a pleasure, Colonel. And you must be Eugenie. We were told to expect you. I'll be darned. A real pleasure to meet you, Sergeant. Perfect timing, Sergeant. I thought things were going to get messy there for a minute. One of our people in Flatwood sighted these boys following you. They reported ahead, and Modus was able to track them. I figured it'd be easier to come down and head them off. Bet it'll be quite a while before they get up the courage to bother anyone else again. Eugenie had walked over to examine the sergeant's power armor. It was certainly a non-traditional design. It had started out as standard-issue T-51B, but over two decades of fighting, traveling, and surviving, the sergeant had modified it into a monster of metal and scrap parts to replace what had been lost or worn out. I swear, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Ah, she's seen the worst of the worst, but brought me through it all. I don't get to take her out much anymore, but the kids still love it when I give them rides around the settlement. Muller climbed back into his power armor and used its enhanced strength to clear the road in a matter of minutes. Soon, the three of them were back on the road again, approaching the Morgantown settlement. It had been a few months since the last time Valeria made the trip, but she heard that the community was growing by leaps and bounds. Several old farms had been reoccupied and folks were out tending the fields. Some faces she recognized, others must have been new. Captain Edwards had reported a steady stream of people coming back, many deciding to make Morgantown their home. When they finally reached the gates of the main settlement, it was time for Valeria to be feted like a returning hero. Captain Edwards greeted her with a huge bear hug, while the other members of the settlement council all took their turns welcoming her back. Eugenie held her off to the side. She'd never been to Morgantown before, as her clients were mostly either up at Crater or down at Foundation. She also avoided the area due to some rather bad run-ins with former Vault 76ers, who didn't differentiate between feral and non-feral ghouls. Larry had suspected as much, and had called ahead just before they had started their journey. Just so happened that only a few weeks earlier, the council had voted to allow their first school residence, which may or may not have been the result of some gentle nudging by Valeria. Eugenie, come here. Meet everyone. Valeria waved her over before putting her arm around Eugenie's shoulder and taking the time to introduce her to the crowd of folks gathered there. Despite a few sideward glances, she was welcomed in as one of their own. Sergeant Muller was immediately mobbed by the local elementary school class, which just so happened to be taught by his significant other. Melissa, now almost seven months pregnant, waddled along behind her students as they started climbing all over the set of power armor. Children, please give the sergeant some space, please. It took some doing, but Muller was finally able to exit his power armor and take Melissa in his arms, giving her a big kiss, 
which immediately set the children running away in disgust. It's good to see you again, Melissa. You're looking well. If this little one keeps kicking the way he does, I don't know for how much longer. But I can't thank you enough for sending Edward back. We all feel so much safer with him around, and no father should miss the birth of their child, either. If you'll excuse me, Colonel, I need to get back to my duty station. We have some caravans coming in from out west and need to check the routes for obstacles. Valeria nodded, gave a brief salute, and watched him clamber back into his power armor, but only after another kiss from Melissa. Eugenie was inundated with folks asking about her wares once they found out she was a well-known trader. Colonel, it is good to see you. Been real busy these past couple of months. Thanks for sending over those men. Sergeant Muller's been amazing. The few raiders that tried anything turned tail the moment he turned up in that armor of his. Power armor was a rare commodity in Appalachia, outside of the few of the larger factions. We were, uh, told to expect you, but not why. Anything I should know? There was a concern that with all the new people coming back to the region, we needed a better way to deal with the Scorched Plague. I know we didn't have any real issues with infection, but we had all had the original inoculation. Instead, we've mass-produced a beverage which will do the same thing for everyone else in the region now. There is still no cure, but at least this way we protect the people we can. Well, that's fantastic. Any chance you could spare some for us? Got a lot of new people around here, and I hadn't even thought of the need to protect them. Of course. In fact, I reserved several cases for you already. We expect to be making regular deliveries now. It just so happens that this is the first, hence my personal attention. All very much appreciated, Colonel. Still hard to believe you're that same girl. Uh, I mean, woman. That came out of the vault with us. She most certainly wasn't. Not by a long shot. But Valeria merely smiled and nodded. <laughs> Here I am talking your ear off. Why don't I show you around? I'm sure you'd love to see all the progress we made. I think Jason Barron has some requests for you as well. Valeria spent the next few hours on a tour of the settlement, and even out to some of the new areas reclaimed by the settlers. There was even talk of coming up with a new name for their little growing city, too, but no one could offer up a suggestion which resonated with the community. Outside of the Enclave Bunker and the White Spring, the Morgantown settlement was one of the best protected areas in all of Appalachia. Per their original agreement, two squads of Enclave bots, including Assaultrons, helped patrol the perimeter. They were enough to keep most of the threats away, and with the homegrown security team run by Captain Edwards, and from the new enclave, the recently installed Team Artemis and Sergeant Muller, it was more than enough to deal with anything or anyone else that wanted to cause trouble. The meeting with Jason Barron, the resident scientist and troubleshooter, was productive. He had been able to get an old responder security bot up and running, but it had been repurposed for more domestic duties, like clearing away debris and building new structures. He had requested any surplus bots he could spare, as he wanted to create a full construction squad to help expand the settlement. Valeria said she would see what she could do, there were plenty of old White Spring bots who parts had worn out and just lying around the resort. Not worth refurbishing for the delicate work, but perhaps if they were cannibalized, she could get at least a few more this way. After a tour and a few more meetings, Valeria was feeling a bit worn out. It had been an eventful day and she wanted to get back to see how Eugenie was getting along. She found her sitting down by a campfire, talking with a small group of ghouls. When she approached, Eugenie looked up and the group fell silent. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't interrupt. Not at all. Please, sit. Let me introduce you properly. The ghouls were a mix of both men and women, 
It can be hard to tell age with ghouls, but most seem younger, probably around Valeria's age, relatively, when the bombs dropped and they turned. Valeria sat down and felt a little self-conscious, being the only smooth skin, but Eugenie reached down and took her hand, squeezing gently. This is Tony and Cynthia. They came over the Ohio earlier this year, and were living up outside the fairgrounds for a while before coming here. Next there is Bob. A ghoul wearing an old greaser jacket and jeans, smoking a cigarette, gave her a thumbs up. He's from the Capital Wasteland. Not much of a talker, but a real crackerjack mechanic. And last, we have Pam, Jody, and Tim. All three of them sat pretty close together and must have been in their late teens when the bombs dropped. They're originally from around here like I was. Their parents were ghouls too. They didn't make it. But hey, we're all family now, aren't we? The assembled group all agreed. And friends, I know that you've probably heard of her, but I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Valeria. It's nice to meet all of you. They spent the next hour or so just chatting. Where they were from, how they ended up in Morgantown, and what they planned to do. Like most others, they just wanted honest work and to make new lives for themselves. Tony and Cynthia had become surrogate parents for the teens, and Bob was helping to maintain the settlement hydroponics and water purifiers. At first, they'd been reluctant to approach Morgantown, especially after being on the receiving end of some anti-ghoul sentiment in the region. They made a small camp on the outskirts of the train station, trying to decide what to do when Sergeant Muller had come through in his power armor. While the others had tried to hide, Tony had cautiously approached the sergeant. It had taken a bit of time and conversation, but they were finally convinced to follow Muller back to Morgantown. The first few weeks were a bit tense. Most of the residents had never seen a non-feral ghoul before. Luckily, both Muller and Edwards were able to keep things in check until the day when Bob managed to not only fix their only industrial water purification system, but he improved its output by more than 50%. And it wasn't long after that some more ghoul scabbers and traders had stopped by, and soon the ghouls were being treated just like any other set of residents. Nothing was ever perfect, and they still ran into the occasional bigot, but they all agreed that they were a lot better off than they had been before. Valeria found herself enjoying Eugenie's company more and more. It brought up feelings she'd never really had, or could even allow for herself. But being around someone like her erased some of the pain she'd felt since the death of her parents. It wasn't something that she'd ever let interfere with her mission, but she was also beginning to realize that having someone else, even just to talk to, wasn't a bad thing at all. Colonel, we've got a caravan headed north tomorrow. They'd be happy to have you join them on the road north. They're leaving first thing in the morning. That's excellent, Captain. We'll be ready to go. Valeria got up, thanked her new friends, and held out her hand for Eugenie. And better yet, Melissa got the girls together. They're throwing everyone a real classy dinner party tonight. Already got the Brahmin ribeye on the grill. We'd love to have all of you join us. The whole group made their way over to the end of what used to be the airport runway, but now was the main public meeting area for the whole settlement. Large tables were set up and a crowd was already gathering. As rowdy as the wayward had been, the energy of this and that place were very similar, but this had more of a family-friendly feel to it. Edwards ushered her to a place of honor at the head of the main table, while Eugenie was seated to her left. Edwards was to her right, with Sergeant Muller, Melissa, and the rest of the settlement council completing the set. The other tables quickly filled as the other residents sat down, and soon the air was filled with the sounds of conversation, the smells of food, and the clinking of silverware on plates. Jason regaled them with tales of his salvage operations in Morgantown and beyond, while Melissa talked about expanding the school now that the kids were getting older, and new children were coming to the settlement for education. 
Valeria mostly just listened, reading between the lines and getting her own sense of how things were going. Soon after, Eugenia became the center of attention again, as people started to ask her about her history in the Blue Ridge Caravan Company. As dinner came to an end, and after some wonderful homemade cakes, Valeria felt a tap on her shoulder. She looked up to see Corporal Lau, one of the Enclave teams assigned to Morgantown. Ma'am, I just received a priority update for you from Modus. Here's the transcript. Valeria thanked him, took the paper, unfolded, and started reading through the report. Lilith had been busy. Not only had she leveled the Rawlings work camp, but she had secured a source of vital information on the locations and known leadership of the Blood Eagles. Her team had also hit two other locations in the Ash Heap, sending the entire gang into a tizzy. Modus had recorded activity at Blood Eagle camps across the region. Is everything okay, Val? It's fine. No rest for the wicked, it seems. Valeria hadn't meant to be short, but the initiation of Lilith's Blood Eagle campaign was going to cause ripples throughout Appalachia. Luckily, there were few, if any, Blood Eagles between here and the crater, but it did mean that they needed to start considering beefing up security until things could be finished. After the party wrapped, Edwards escorted Valeria and Eugenie to some new quarters they'd set up as part of the settlement expansion. Sleeping on the ground got old, so they both enjoyed having their own beds this time around. For a while, though, Valeria laid back on the bed, staring at the ceiling, trying to sort out her feelings from her mission. At the crack of dawn, Valeria rolled out of bed and quickly changed back into her caravan gear. By the time she reached the Brahmin pen, several caravans were almost ready to head out, and Eugenie had already had theirs lined up and was double-checking the cargo. Hey there, sleepyhead. Ready to head out? I guess a trader's work ethic puts even my scubs to shame. But yes, I'm all set. Sergeant Muller came jogging over with Valeria's pack and weapons. You're all set, Colonel. Packed extra rations for the trip back. Look at your rifle, but I swear it was cleaner than the day it came out of the armory. Valeria took the pack and rifle from Muller and winked at Eugenie, who laughed in return. Thank you, Sergeant. You keep that budding family of yours safe. I plan on sending a few more men your way as soon as I get back to the bunker. The Major is moving against the Blood Eagles. I don't know exactly how they will react, but it's better to be safe than sorry. Yes, ma'am. I'll make sure we're ready. And keep it quiet, Sergeant. We don't need to worry people needlessly. Yes, ma'am. Oh, one more thing. One of our scavengers stumbled on some old Brotherhood project at VTU. Something to do with Scorch Beast DNA. Interesting, Sergeant. Did you investigate? That's the strange part. I sent the team over to grab what they could, but it was gone. I mean, the scaver could have been spinning a yarn, but... I don't think so. Place was cleared out. Odd. I might have some suspicions, Sergeant. Keep an eye on VTU. Report anything unusual. Yes, ma'am. Safe travels. Captain Edwards, the Settlement Council, and the resident ghouls all came by to wish them well. Eugenie had a number of lists of items that people were looking to buy. Reviewing them, she smiled. There was potentially enough business here to keep her busy for quite some time. Okay, folks. Let's get moving.
Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now. caravans heading north, and they slowly filed through the gate, formed up, and moved out. Valeria saddled up next to Eugene, and the two started a spirited conversation on the pluses and minuses of various heavy weapons as the Morgantown settlement disappeared behind them. It was only a two-day trip up to the crater. They had to give Grafton Steel Mill a wide berth as it was occupied by the super mutants, but the rest of the trip was uneventful. It gave Valeria time to think. Her conversations with Eugenia had gotten more personal over time and she'd wondered how she'd feel once they had to part company. She had been deep in thought when Eugenie nudged her. She looked up from the worn path they were traveling on and saw the crashed space station rising up out of the mist. Enclave teams had investigated the area before the raiders moved in, but the pictures they brought back didn't do the wreckage justice. Wow, that is impressive. Eh, it's, it's pretty neat, but hey, it crashed, so not that impressive anymore. Meanie. You know what I meant. <laughs> they threaded the Brahmin through the scattered debris fields, now also dotted with crops as well. As they approached, the Raider Guard started to gather to direct each caravan to its unloading location. Valeria had to give them credit. Despite their reputation, these Raiders were all business and organized. Oh, Eugenie! Maybe wants to see you. Eugenie and Valeria exchanged looks. They'd spoken about this before. As far as Meg needed to know, Valeria was just a regular caravan hand, and that was it. They walked across the bridge, passing raiders slapping Eugenie on the back or showing off their latest acquisitions into the main area of the raider settlement. The diehards were a bit of an anomaly. Of all the original raider gangs, they were the least objectionable. Their old leader, Margie, tried to walk the fine line between morality and self-preservation. Ultimately, the burdens of what the raiders became and her own inability to deal with the indiscriminate killing of innocents finally led to her suicide. Her body had been discovered by Team Iota during their sweep of the Palace of the Winding Path many months before. After Margie's death, Meg Groberg, one of her lieutenants, led the majority of the diehards out of Appalachia before the other gangs could take advantage of their weakness. Whether by dumb luck or by design, this meant that they missed the Scorch Plague entirely. Now they were back and well entrenched in northern Appalachia. Once inside the raider encampment, the caravan was led over to a fenced-in area. Two women were arguing over a makeshift bandstand. Valeria recognized one of them as Meg, the leader of the diehards, but she didn't recognize the other. The woman was wearing an old duster and cowboy hat, with facial tattoos around her mouth. As they got closer, they could finally make out what was being said. God damn it, Roxy. I assigned you to security. Not to send fucking haunters after anyone and everyone who decided to pop off for a little R&R. &R. Go fuck yourself, Meg. 
If you don't come down hard on these deserters, there won't be anyone left in the gang. They'll get soft or worse. The others will see us being soft and take us out. And if you kill everyone, there wouldn't be anyone left anyway. Jesus, please, just clear your list through me first. Got it? Roxy just rolled her eyes and walked off. Meg rubbed her forehead with her hand. Such was the burden of leadership. It was times like this that she'd figured out why Margie decided to take the easy way out back in the day. Meg looked up and saw the approaching caravan, and a smile quickly replaced her frown. Hey there, Eugenie. Seems like you were just here. Meg walked over and gave the ghoul merchant a quick hug. That's because I was. Just lucky to have picked up this contract. He'll be seeing me quite a bit over the next month or so. So, this is that miracle drink, right? The one that's supposed to keep us all from getting sick from that plague. Bobby, Regs, get off your ass. Get these Brahmin offloaded. Who is this? Don't think I've seen you around before. Meg, meet Val. Picked her up down south. I'm showing her the ropes and she's helping with security. Not a bad shot, if I do say so myself. Oh, this is the one that doesn't dance, right? Uh... (laughs) Georgie deserved it, if you ask me. He was always a little too grabby. Got some nice moves on you. It's a shame you don't dance. Or at least, not with everyone. But you sure as hell can fight. Meg held out her hand, and Valeria took it. Meg suspected there was a lot more to this ranch hand to meet the eye, but she filed that question away for a later time. So, let's see what all the fuss was about. Meg went over to the stack of crates and had one of the raiders crack it open. Inside were rows of fresh Nuka-Cola bottles. She picked one up and looked at the label. Well, fuck me sideways. Meg started laughing before passing the bottle around to the others. Slowly, a small crowd was beginning to gather as each raider read the label and started laughing too. The more the laughing continued, the more embarrassed Valeria became. She continued to curse her impulse to tell Lilith that she could pick the name, but now they were stuck with it. Well, folks, looks like we got something here. That's got raider spirit. Don't be shy. Grab yourselves a bottle. Let's take a drink. Both Eugenie and Valeria were nearly bowled over by the stampede as the raiders tore into the crates and carted away the bottles. Soon, everyone in the camp was enjoying a refreshing drink of Nuka-Cola, my blood's in it. The remaining crates were carted off for storage and distribution to the rest of the gang. The others finished their drinks and wandered back off to whatever they had been doing before, with a few passing requests to Eugenie, who took notes for the next delivery. Meg put down her empty bottle and took out some pieces of paper. Eugenie, I got some more orders here. Lou is asking for more explosives. At this point, I bet he could take down half a mountain with what he's got. But he's paying, so whatever floats his boat. Johnny wants, get this, some more of the cologne he found down in Welch. Just see what you can do. Weasel, well, here's her list. And Molly is asking for some special ingredients for her stock. 
I can get most of this, but I'll have to sub out the real weird stuff. I don't usually handle that kind of thing, but... I know some people. Yeah, just do what you can, Eugenie. We know you're good for it. Here are the caps. And a little extra for your troubles. Just then, a small child ran screaming through the middle of the compound, being chased by a super mutant. Valeri almost reached for a rifle when she noticed that no one else around reacted and realized what that meant. That's just Ra-Ra and Gale playing tag. Keeps us all on our toes. Especially when Gale accidentally crashes through the side of the building or bowls over a tin or two. You two need anything? Molly's is always open and the pepperoni rolls are to die for. Well, not literally, but sometimes. Larry would have liked nothing better than to grab some chow, but she knew she needed to head back to the bunker immediately. Between Modus's request and Lilith's campaign, time was of the essence. Would love to, Meg, but I got another job lined up down south waiting on me. Both Eugenie and Meg looked a little disappointed. Sure, Meg. Molly's rolls are the best around. I'll be over in a few. You sure you gotta go, Val? I actually do wish I could stay, but duty calls. When you get back to Morgantown, Muller will get you an escort back to the plant. Figure it'll be a few more trips before we can cut you loose, and you can get back to your normal runs. What if I'm not ready to be cut loose just yet? Valeria felt a little flush all of a sudden, and found herself at a loss for words. Hey, let me grab something real quick, and I'll meet you down by the bridge before you leave. Valeria watched Eugenie jog off, and then she turned for one final check of the Brahmin to make sure nothing had been overlooked. She grabbed her pack and started walking back through the raider camp. Despite their reputation, these were definitely not the raiders of old. They were organized, efficient, and Meg ran a pretty tight ship as well. As a regional faction, they had a lot of potential, and honestly, Valeria considered them to be a lot less of an impediment than the settlers at Foundation. Raider motivations were more difficult to reconcile with new enclave goals, but Meg... Meg was someone they could deal with. Valeria was lost in thought as she slowly walked past the bridge to the south. A voice behind her got her attention again. Hey Val, wait up. I wasn't going to let you go without a parting gift. Add Molly cook up a couple of pepperoni rolls. Fresh just for you. Oh my god, thanks. These smell delicious. Wish I could stay and eat this now, but I really do have to get back. Eugenie took a step forward, putting herself face to face with Valeria. I know, but I wanted to give you some reasons to want to come back. Hopefully, this is one of them. And she surprised Valeria by leaning in and pressing her lips against hers. The last time, and honestly, the first time anyone tried to kiss Valeria was way back in Vault 76, when Bobby Stoller had tried to kiss her in the vault party the night before Reclamation Day. For that, she'd almost broken his jaw with a right cross. She understood intellectually how people could be attracted to men, but she never felt any temptation herself. Romance just seemed like a distraction from the mission anyway. This time, however, when she felt Eugenie's lips on hers, she closed her eyes and just let the kiss happen. While the ghoul's skin felt rough, her lips was soft and she found herself putting her arms around Eugenie and pulling her closer. After what seemed like forever, she had to break the kiss to take a breath. She opened her eyes and saw Eugenie looking directly into hers. Wow. Was that okay? Yeah, that was very okay. Good. Eugenie put her arms around Valeria's neck and kissed her again. 
When the kiss ended, Valeria put her forehead against Eugenie's. I really need to go. I know, but like I said, I wanted you to have a reason to come back, so don't die out there. That got a giggle out of Valeria, who leaned back in for one last kiss. I won't. And you neither, okay? The mood was broken by a quick cough, and the two turned to find a couple of raiders staring at them. When the raiders realized they'd been caught snooping, the one punched the arm of the other, and they decided to be somewhere else, as fast as they could. Valeria might have helped by giving them a death stare, and she took a step back to compose herself. You stay safe, Val. I'll uh, see you again soon. Eugenie. Jeannie. You can call me Jeannie. Jeannie, thank you for, well, everything. She smiled and lifted her pack over her shoulder. Joining another caravan just leaving to head back south, Valeria walked along, blending in among the rest of the traders. She looked back and saw Eugenie watching her until her group disappeared over the ridge, leaving the crater behind. I'm Firewriter, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games, from major characters who define the course of a game's storyline to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information on our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on the Enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Pandora Beatrix as Colonel Valeria Faustina, Firewriter as Eugenie, Paranoia as the Team Boy, Don McCormick as Melissa and Meg, Monty Wildhorn as Corporal Lowell, Sergeant Clink as the Yelling Raider, Ray Hosworth as Roxy, and Brad Williams as Sergeant Muller, Captain Edwards, and the Voice of Modus. And a shout out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio Podcast Community and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. We'd also like to send a special thank you to a huge fan of the show, Patrick, who left a fantastic review on Audible a couple of weeks ago. Here's a shout out to you from the entire cast here at The Modus Files. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave and God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little enclave. <laughs> <laughs>